0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Saturday broadcast. We're here today to answer questions on meditation and Buddhism. So we start the program with 15 minutes of silent meditation. This is
1: just a chance for people who have questions to ask their questions.
0: So if you have questions, just post them in the chat. It's also an opportunity for us to prepare ourselves we begin any wholesome activity by clearing the mind and creating right view the right perspective through the focus on
1: experience rather than concepts we have to put aside all of the worldly Domanas, abhijja domanasang, any hankering after the world,
0: likes, wanting, wants, or fears, or worries. And try and
1: shift your attention to focus just on your experiences. What are you experiencing right now? And this will help us, of course, to be in the right frame of mind to answer questions and hear the answers to questions. So we'll take until
0: the quarter after the hour, and then we'll start answering questions. Okay, we're back. So hopefully you've cleared your mind and are ready to proceed. If you have questions, again, feel free to post them in the
1: chat. And those questions that have already been answered, they'll be organized and asked. If you've asked your question, then, well, just close
0: your eyes and sit back and meditate with us. Try and stay present. Thank you Bhante, we do have questions. When in doing walking
2: meditation, a feeling arises like sadness or wanting, should I stop and say wanting, wanting, or sad, sad,
0: or should I keep walking? Yeah, so you can differentiate between
1: different types of of object. Some objects are just going to be sort of innocuous, innocent, and fleeting. And those ones in walkings you can ignore, like a fleeting thought or something. However, sadness and wanting are not innocent. These are types of clinging, or they're related to clinging. They're unwholesome, and so they're important and so anytime you experience that during walking you should stop and note it uh, also there's a third type of thing that that is innocent itself but is something that either lasts well not just lasts but something that um well either lasts or takes you away from the object so triggers you there might be sounds the fleeting sounds you might ignore but a sound might last and make you irritated. And so you'll try to note that sound before the irritation arises as a means of changing that habit. So not just noting the irritation, but also noting things that
0: trigger you or things that that really pull your attention away. Can we take a break between the walking meditation
2: and the sitting meditation, or is it better to take the break after the round of walking and sitting meditation?
1: So I don't. I don't want to say you cannot do something, but uh, we instruct people to do walking and sitting together without break. So it's not a. It's not a matter of can or can't because, of course, it's. We're not. This is Buddhism. We're not demanding that you do something but if you did a course with me i would kind of demand it so um that's the way we do it walking and sitting are done together no break and in fact beyond that when you go from walking to sitting try and be mindful of the 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 process uh the, the the movements of the body that sit down and
0: move your legs into the sitting position try and be mindful of all that How to be free from bad habits, and how to make meditation a habit and be focused. Well, I want to caution you in asking this question against
1: thinking that you can, you had there's some trick that you can use to switch on the meditation habit. So, there, I mean, the answer to your question is is quite simple. You meditate to cultivate habits. So you have to practice meditation regularly. Meditation is only really going to work if
0: you're practicing it regularly. You need to practice mindfulness on a daily basis. When I get a thought that makes me anxious, the thought occurs quickly
2: before the feeling of anxiety. By the time I become aware, the thought has already
0: passed. Do I note thinking or just anxiety.
1: Well if the anxiety is present, I would note it, but sometimes you're noticing that the thought disappeared, so you can note that as well. But honestly, if there's anxiety, it's going to be so much more obvious than, than any thoughts. So you should note that. But remember that anxiety is not is is only one part of the situation. And a lot of what we identify as anxiety shouldn't be identified as anxiety. It's just physical manifestations or physical. Consequences of anxiety, the results of being anxious. So, tension in the body and heart beating and butterflies in the stomach and all that sort of thing.
0: So, you should note that as well, independent of the anxiety. During meditation, when I feel sadness, I also feel tension in my head.
2: But the tension does not disappear, creating sadness. It's like a feedback loop how should i practice in that case
1: yeah well i mean part of the 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 purpose of the practice is to see these feedback loops to see that we're not in charge we're not creating our emotions moment by moment that they're happening as a result of the cultivation of habits over time so you you shouldn't try to change that or expect it to you shouldn't expect it to go away it, it will change and it will go away if you practice properly, but you have to be practicing so your focus can't be on making things go away or else you're no longer practicing you're no longer mindful, so you should just note whatever comes up it's not a not a important which one you note it's important which one is present right so one of them is not better to note whichever one is present is the one you should note so during this feedback loop. Whatever you you catch, you note. If you notice that you're feeling sad, then you note the sadness. If you notice you're feeling tension, then you note the tension. Neither one is going to be of any greater benefit.
0: It's the mindfulness that's going to be of benefit. Should I note knowing,
2: knowing, when I realize I am reacting to a thought, a feeling, or something I heard or saw? sometimes my reacting seems fast and numerous
1: well you can even note reacting but you're probably better off noting the the type of reaction so if you like something or disliking something you should note that you wouldn't note knowing if you if you observe that you're liking something or disliking something so noting the reaction is generally better if you are having some realization oh, boy, I react to things a lot, then it would be something like knowing, knowing, or
0: realizing, or thinking even. When we are fixated
2: on a thought or sensation that bothers us, should we make that our object of meditation? Well, yeah, you, you should
1: also not gloss over this bothers us if something bothers you then there's then the reality is that there's a state of being bothered and you should note that state Uh, if you're fixated on something that that's a reaction as well and you should note that so you don't quite it's not quite being fixated it's reacting to so you like it or you dislike it and you should note that or you're worried about it or afraid of it or whatever the, the fixation might be um but you can also note the thought and the sensation if it's more prevalent because it's a it's a, again it's this loop. Sometimes you'll be just aware of the sensation and then there's the trigger and boop suddenly you're fixated or reacting to it. Uh so whichever one is present, then you should note that. But it's not magic. There's no there's no secret answer to these questions. It's pretty simple. Uh, you don't have to. The, the worry about trying to get it exactly right. These questions are so common, but the questioning is just a part of the the worry and and the the concern, the fear of doing wrong. I mean, it's it's a lot of beginner stuff, where you're kind of anxious and you're worried about doing it wrong, afraid you might do it wrong and that sort of thing. It's pretty simple, and over time you'll get you will get better as you become more confident in it. So don't worry too much about these details of what you should note. Just try and note whatever's there and present, and don't fixate on doing it right or catching noting the right one or noting the wrong one uh if if you start doing something very wrong mindfulness will show you that it'll become unpleasant it'll become uh stressful you'll you'll feel
0: bad and so on and and you know you'll you'll slowly adjust and you'll start to change your perspective What is the difference between habits and addictions? Well, addiction is a is made up of habits, uh, but addiction is complicated. There's
1: also the physical aspect of addiction. Habits form addictions, I guess you could say. I mean, this is kind of a theoretical question. It's not really important that you differentiate between these two things. It's important that you note know your experiences.
0: Try and focus on the actual practical practice. Can we meditate and be aware with open eyes? We do walking meditation with with eyes open.
1: So, of course, yes, you can be mindful regardless of how your body is deported,
0: eyes open, eyes closed. We do sitting meditation with our eyes closed, though. It's just... Too easy to be distracted. How should we note when there are many things to note? Note
1: whatever's clearest, whichever is most prevalent, most most obvious, clearest. Again, no magic answer. Don't worry too much about getting about noting the wrong thing. Note something. If there's a lot of things, one trick is to note. Uh, overwhelmed or distracted and recognize that have there being many objects means your mind is not focused so you should just note distracted
0: distracted and if it's overwhelming you can note overwhelmed blaming the problems due to unknown past life actions wouldn't this lead to wrong view and blind faith um well it's right view to understand that our reality isn't
1: confined just to one life so that doesn't necessarily lead to wrong view and blind faith um one should not have wrong view and blind faith but that's not a wrong view per se um so i don't i don't see the logic there but blaming so- sounds like a bad attitude like uh, but, i mean technically it's not but but the implicit there is this idea that you're kind of uh, upset about it or aversed or, or disliking of the fact so accurately accepting the reality that a lot of who we are is more complicated than just what we were born with or or what we developed during this life there's a lot that comes from past lives um, but having blind faith in that well it's there's there's nothing wrong with faith faith is a is a positive is an objectively positive mind state because faith um has has positive qualities for the mind you can see faith allows you to do so many things good and bad it's like a tool it's a powerful tool Mental tool. So, if you have faith, you're much likely to succeed at doing good things. You're much likely, to, more likely to succeed at doing bad things. That's why we call it a positive mind state. Technically positive. um yeah, But if you, if you have faith in the wrong things, of course, it's ultimately going to be a very, very bad thing. But it's good for you. I mean, it's 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 useful for you. So, blind faith. Uh, I mean, the problem with blind faith is that it's weak. It's you, you can never have very strong blind faith because you always have to augment it and and um reassure yourself uh, artificially if you have faith that's based on observation uh, which reason it, like the belief that science has scientists have belief but they call it a uh, true reasoned belief or something like that there's a special term that they use because they acknowledge that it's still you believe something but you got good reason to believe it and so it's much stronger um, but the um the stronger the strongest belief is belief from actually seeing for yourself and that's the sort of thing that comes from meditation
0: now you 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 can't you can't explicitly see that past
1: lives have caused you problems so that, i mean that, that isn't the focus of our meditation And i guess ultimately, ultimately that's the most important part of the answer is we're not focused on the past so acknowledging that the past plays a part even past lives is is, it's not contradiction to buddhism we just don't focus on it you know acknowledge that it's not something we're likely to ever know with any degree of certainty but not really
0: caring because it's not the focus of our of our practice our practice focusing on the present meditation result in better physical health? Generally speaking, I think it
1: does. Uh, I mean, this shouldn't be a, a mystery because our mind has a strong effect on the bodily uh, experiences and bodily, the state of the body, many of our systems. Even, I mean, take, take a simp- simple, obvious one is our digestive system if we are addicted to to sweet food or or tastes in food we're never going to eat healthy and we're never going to eat in moderation so we can be very very unhealthy physically that's probably not what you were thinking of but it's a good obvious one that yeah of course the mind i mean just look at how it affects our our diet Um, but of course there's more subtle there's more subtle uh, but also roundabout consequences like the consequences of being stressed out at your draw, job people who practice meditation find a, an incredible change in their lifestyle where they're no longer stressed about family and relationships and job security and money and we know from from studies from scientific studies that that stress
0: is is killing us i mean it kills many of us and and there's lots of examples like this laziness you know
1: the uh, addictions can lead us to all sorts of things and and of course the the other obvious ones like that, that you you probably also weren't thinking of is that well meditation stops you from getting angry and so you don't get in as many physical altercations and so you're less likely to have someone punch you in the face as a meditator less likely it's still not not for sure but of course they're going to in less physical altercations and so you're less likely to be beaten or killed and so that's good for your physical health. Um you're 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 more likely to be be um aware of your surroundings and so you're less likely to get in an accident. Uh, but probably what you're thinking of is the sort of more magical um but but still very real effective meditation is that um it it makes you makes your physical body more healthy. Directly, I mean the most direct that you can see through mindfulness meditation is that your body starts to relax it starts to flow Um, And we don't believe in these kind of energies But it's just a way of speaking about it that in the East they talk about energy flowing through your body and it's just a manner of speaking It's not real, but it kind of flows better. Your body just is more natural uh, but but it, it's it's more co- it's complicated because again past karma always gets in the way and meditation sometimes allows that to to rise up we had a meditator recently who had went to the hospital for kidney stones and it's not the first time someone's talked about someone's actually gotten kidney stones during a meditation course and so i wonder whether it's actually a byproduct of for some people of their meditation as a means of working out something not necessarily karma but something physical um So, it's a process and it's usually quite healing physically as well. But there are speed bumps.
0: Like, why would he get kidney stones just when he comes to do a meditation course? It's really kind of coincidental. I can't help but be skeptical
2: about reincarnation, yet wish it to be true. Can you explain in detail? How and why reincarnation is a real phenomenon rather than wishful thinking?
1: Well, reincarnation isn't a real
2: phenomenon. Nothing
1: is ever reincarnated. Um, but that's maybe overly techn- overly nitpicking. Um, but it's, it's important in helping to understand the answer. I've talked about this before. I've done videos on it. Um and I I'd like to first of all focus on why we're here today and that's for the benefit of meditation and to help you uh or or suggest to you to to pay more attention to your skepticism and your wishful thinking. So any kind of wishing is a yearning, it's going to be a clinging, it's it's going to lead to clinging and it's going to lead to suffering, so you should note that. It's also focusing on the future which is useless for meditation practice skepticism about conceptual ideas like reincarnation or uh, that skepticism is going to get in the way of your mindfulness as well so you should be mindful of that but um that's not satisfying that's not an answer to your question you want me to explain in detail I kind of rather not because I've done videos on it but I can give you the the kernel of of the videos that I've done um and that's that our experiences occur momentarily and the truth is that death is the death is is what's not real not real reincarnation isn't anything it's just a continuation of the arising and ceasing of experiences so our objective experience shows us if we if we pay attention that our mind states are constantly arising and ceasing our experiences are constantly arising and ceasing so the claim which isn't much of a claim at all is that
0: i mean it isn't it isn't any kind of um it isn't saying anything but the obvious is that these these experiences continue into the future and so
1: a person who says yeah but at death that all stops is the one who has
0: made an unsubstantiated claim that's the point is the point of meditation to be emotionless no the point of meditation is to be free from suffering so
1: there are some emotions that lead to suffering and being free from those emotions is is important i mean, it's, the only way to be free from suffering, but that comes from direct observation. We're not um purposefully trying to remove even those emotions, we're just trying to see clearly. And as
0: you see clearly, those emotions just don't arise. It's not all emotions. How do you note without pausing the meditation to take note? I am very forgetful. I don't understand, um, like, like, what
1: do you mean pausing the meditation to take note? Because isn't the meditation noting?
0: How do you note? Unless you're talking about another kind of note. I mean, like, uh, maybe you misunderstand what we mean by note, because it's not note-taking.
1: Or no, I guess you mean something like, hmm i don't get it i don't know if you've read our booklet uh, but the booklet might clear up some of this confusion um oh but yeah so you're right i think you are talking about a different kind of noting because you mentioned you're forgetful so suppose you have something you want to take note of then yeah pause the meditation write it down and then go back to your meditation i guess if that's what you're referring to but we use the word noting in a different way in terms of this repeating of the mantra uh, when you say to yourself thinking,
0: thinking, for example. That's we call them, we call that noting. But I think you're talking about a different kind of noting. Does it help to meditate at a Buddha relics exhibition? Help what? Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I I know I shouldn't be obtuse. I understand what you're asking. Um,
1: it's not, I mean, why I say how What is? is it's not really related. Um, the, the benefit of taking the Buddha as an object is it gives you faith and confidence, but it's actually a different sort of meditation. That's not to say there's no value in it. Um, sometimes it's easier because of the confidence that you get. Um, but ultimately, you have to let that go. You can't rely on such crutches. In, in, a, in the ultimately, though, it's still a good practice. I mean, I should, there's no reason to discourage it, and 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 every reason to encourage the re, uh,
0: recollection of the Buddha by such things as physical remnants. It gives you confidence. It gives you a reminder. Reflecting on the qualities of the Buddha honestly
1: that's better than than focusing on on bones or something much better is
0: to um recollect on the qualities of buddha the buddha i mean i guess one one type of question like this is asked because people
1: have this magic idea that the buddha is going to protect you or support you and no, it's it's possible that there are devas around that that hang around like angels that hang around uh, Buddha relics, guarding them in, in whatever ethereal way that they might guard things. Um, and so that can be supportive. Uh, there, you, you'll often get some sense of peace when you're in those locations, so that can be supportive as well. But again,
0: don't rely too much on that as a crutch, and certainly don't. Don't uh, come to depend on it. How should one deal with outside noises? Hearing, hearing, losing patience, angry, angry. Is this the correct way?
1: Yeah, usually I, I recommend people to note one thing, and when it's gone, go back, not to jump from one thing to another. But, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule, so if something leads to
0: something else, you can note that as well. But try as soon as you can when something goes away to just go back to the rising and falling. It is extremely hard to reincarnate into a human, and then being a human is suffering. Please clarify this. I don't understand. Um, okay, so let's break it down.
1: It's extremely hard to reincarnate into a human. So the the Buddhist statement would be, rebirth, being being born as a human being is a very rare thing. Um, it's rare, it's a very rare thing for an animal because, I mean, just just statistically, how many we were talking about this morning? How many how many animal births are there per second? I mean,
0: let, let's ask something we can answer. How many human births are there per second? 4.17 births per second. I don't know if that's the right answer, but somewhere around four. Let's say it's
1: five, just to be generous. Five humans are born every second. How many animals are born every second? I don't think it's possible to count. I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I, i'm sure there's some gross estimate that would be probably pretty accurate but you'd need to do a lot of science to figure that out i mean think about how many insects give one one insect how many baby insects does it give birth to and how long do insects live so rebirth as an animal is far more common there's just just statistically you can see that um but that also being born as a human is a challenge because you need qualities that are uh, associated with humanity and those are the five precepts now a lot of animals of course are in no position to keep the five precepts i mean the first four anyway most i don't think many animals drink alcohol or take intoxicants though i suppose there are some intoxicants i know koalas are into uh, eucalyptus trees that make them intoxicated Uh, but also there's probably many like that to the plants that animals eat are intoxicating regardless uh, keeping the five precepts is very difficult even for herbivores they often kill Uh, they certainly don't have ethical qualities it's very very challenging for that to ever happen on the other hand i suppose there are some animals that are can be quite peaceful but it's not just a matter of not breaking them it's a matter of having the mind states that relate to keeping them mind states that are averse because Many even herbivore animals will fight each other and kill each other if they, if the opportunity presents, meaning they have no quality of mind that would abstain. Uh, and so as far as a human being suffering, well, human, being a human is actually quite pleasant compared to a lot of uh, states. I mean, obviously, many human beings suffer horrible, horrible uh, stress and, and pain in their lives. But it's still not really comparable to life as an animal, which is even far more nasty, brutish, and short than human life. So being a human is actually quite good. I mean, many human beings live live pleasant lives. And most human beings are able to experience some pleasure during their lives uh, and some sort of peace and clarity of mind that animals may never have the opportunity to experience just because of the, the simplicity of their mind and the lowness of their existence.
0: So that's what I'd say about those things. But I guess um, one thing about your
1: your statements is the idea that what good is it, right? Why 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 is uh, why do we work so hard for something that is suffering? And so I guess well there it is, human being humanity. It's not even so much the fact that it's not always suffering it's that as a human you have the potential to, un- to learn about suffering to understand it
0: and as a result to to overcome it To overcome the the qualities of mind that trigger it that perpetuate it i can't get away from wanting fear to leave
2: I could maybe let it come if it wasn't so constant, but the sheer percentage of my life spent in terror is really unbearable to sit with. I'm so
0: sick of it. Do you have any advice? Well, if you wanted to leave, just note the wanting. Um, I mean, one thing that that's going to
1: change is you'll start to surrender. It sounds like you might be, I mean, people who ask this sort of question are already usually surrendering, they're giving up. I'm so sick of it is is really a, a good sign. Um, that sort of attitude is on the cusp of letting go because letting go has that sort of quality. It isn't, letting go isn't throwing away. Letting go is just giving up in disgust, like uh, surrendering in a sense. You surrender to it. You no longer fight with it. You're no longer trying to um, want. Like you say, I can't get away from wanting fear to leave. The recognition of this is a step beyond wanting fear to leave, you see. Before maybe you wanted fear to leave. It sounds like you're doing some meditation. So it could be that after meditation it's quite possible that during your meditation you've moved on you've gone a step further to where your 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 perception now is not just i want the fear to go away your perception now is i can't get away from wanting fear to leave that's called non-self you know you've probably heard of this idea of non-self and that's the key there this this idea of of not being in control that stops you trying to be in control trying to find ways to get away from something
0: trying to find ways to get rid of something that's what leads to letting go. So that's probably not that reassuring,
1: but um I would reassure you nonetheless that you're probably not on a bad path and if you are practicing mindfulness and continue with mindfulness you'll probably see this sort of thing solidify in your mind and this that will give you strength. The, the 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 um the confidence that this is the reality. It's a strength to realize that you can't free yourself from your problems it doesn't sound like it but it is a strength um, because it, it it frees you from all from trying it frees you from fighting and and fighting is related to fear or fear is related to fighting so that also frees you from fear as a result why are we afraid we're afraid because we still have a vested interest because we
0: still have desires and aversions When you give up, what is there to fear? Piyato jayate jayate
1: bhyam That which we cling to or hold dear leads to sadness, leads to fear. Without
0: anything that we hold dear, there's no sadness, what of fear. How could there be fear? meditations are helping me a lot with my anxiety
2: and in dealing with people. But the only problem is I can't deal with difficult people the way I used to. I've become a little too soft. What do I do?
1: Well, anytime someone says the only problem or a problem I have to remind you that um, problems are just a, a one way of looking at things. So no matter what your are Specific problem is, I would caution against using words like problem. Now, of course, it's a word we use, but um, in this context, you're you're actually identifying something as a problem for you, and that's usually not a good thing. It's not a good perspective. You're much better at focusing on the experiences. Now, for your specific problem uh, of being soft, well, meditation, you don't have to be soft. You just have to change your reasons for not being soft. Your reason just has to be because it's reasonable. So instead of um, fighting people or or denying people because you're angry at them, because you're, you're clinging to the things they want from you, instead you, you look at it and you say, well, that's not reasonable. This person wants this thing, but it's not reasonable. Or this person wants this thing and it's reasonable. And actually, quite often it's that way and you just have to come to terms with the fact that you're going to have to let go of a lot of things you, you held dear. Giving is often the good answer. And you should learn to to be giving. Uh, you bend but don't break, I guess. Because breaking is unreasonable, but bending is usually reasonable. And it's just a matter of of you just don't take it personally. You just don't cling to it. You're like, okay, this is
0: functional. This is what I will do now. And don't cling to it. I would also say there's no such thing as difficult people. And if you see through that You can just have the experiences and
1: not worry about people. People are not a thing that exists. You only have experiences. You hear
0: things. If they talk to you, it's just like birds chirping. Just sound. How do I gain insight through meditation?
2: Is it through contemplation or through noting the experience? so insights a misleading word i don't use it i don't think it's
1: proper the word we use the word um, we're, we're referring to is vipassana and vipassana is well many will translate it as insight and i don't think that's right vipassana means seeing clearly so if you understand that then if we replace that in your in your question uh, you may not have the question anymore but let's look at it that way how do i seek how do i come to see clearly or how do i gain the ability to see clearly through meditation and so that's not through contemplation that's through noting why because when you note you become more familiar and as you become more familiar you see things more clearly not only do you become more familiar but you become more objective the noting helps straighten your mind out so where you before you would say this is good this is bad now you say this is this and that's a, a straight um direct simple simple um, perspective and the simplicity aids to the clarity and the complication
0: of course is not going to help you to see clearly what is the highest or most extreme mental state one can reach through prolonged practice of meditation well the, the most is nibbana there's no comparison there. I guess I would caution against focusing too much on what you might reach in meditation and focus more on your actual present experience. Could meditating in front of a
2: Buddha figure that is not placed appropriately above waist height be the cause of struggling with intense fear and invasive thoughts, During meditation?
0: No, there's no causal relationship there. Now, worrying about it might, if you're worrying about the fact that the Buddha image is not placed appropriately above waist height. um, I mean, that's not even universally universally agreed upon.
1: It's a reasonable practice. It's a respectful practice, uh, probably a recommended practice to not put the Buddha below your waist height. But there's, so all of you Western Buddhists, take note. This is a, a good rule of thumb, and often you see Western Buddhists not so conscientious about their Buddhas. But in the East, uh, Buddha is usually pretty high up. And it's a good point that it's respectful it's conceptual i mean there's no ultimate reality supporting that but we in the west in well people outside of buddhists above of, of established buddhist traditions are often a little bit um unaware or unconscientious and it's not a, a dig really it's just we don't really have the strong sort of cultural accumulation because over time buddhist communities have just kind of agreed upon things that are respectful and and seem reasonable but it's hard as an individual to come up with those so you just come up with your own that you think works and well who are you mostly you're not even you didn't grow up you buddhist you didn't grow up religious so and you do things <laughs>
0: snake snakes fish fish some right some bad uh so take note this is a good practice
1: but um, no, it's, yeah, magic thinking is is a problem where you associate, you attribute results to some magical cause, and no, there's no causal relationship here. The cause of intense fear is the habit to cultivate ten, uh, the habit to to give rise to intense fear, and so you have to figure out what the, those habits are. Uh, invasive thoughts, well, thoughts are the nature of the mind. You're not going to stop that from happening. Uh, one thing I would note that, um, we often attribute qualities to thoughts, and that's a, that's an important mistake that pretty much everyone makes. Thoughts don't have any quality to them. If you have a thought of committing murder, there's actually no ethical quality to that thought. It's not an unethical thought. Now, if you like the thought, that liking is unethical. If you agree with the thought, that liking is, that agreement is unethical if you're afraid of the thought if and this is the crucial because it is much more common if you if a thought arises to kill someone and you fear that or you get shocked or hate yourself for that thought that is unethical not the thought and of course mostly it's not thinking of killing yourself but killing someone but there's many thoughts i mean yeah think killing yourself Many people have thoughts of killing themselves, and it's a mistake to think that that means you're suicidal. You are not suicidal because the thought arises about killing yourself, even if you start to to think about what it would be like to kill yourself. That doesn't mean you're suicidal. If you want to kill yourself, then you're suicidal. You see the difference? Thoughts don't have any quality to them whatsoever. And this is crucial because I've seen meditators drive themselves crazy trying to get rid of thoughts, when they had no business trying to do that at all horrible thoughts can come up you can have thoughts of of uh well i don't want to even say i mean terrible things you can think to to do but they're still just thoughts there's no ethical quality to them whatsoever and and that's important because the mind is crazy our minds come up with all sorts of crazy thoughts and the more you don't want to think a thought of course we know this usually the more likely you are to think that thought. So it's just absurd trying to think that you could ever get rid of your thoughts, when in fact there's no reason to try. So that's something I would point out. When you're thinking, just note thinking and don't try to stop it from coming. Certainly note your reactions to the thought. Fear, you should just note the fear. And then you'll start to see what... you, You won't necessarily see the cause because it's not really important to see the cause, but you'll see the nature of the fear. We're not really, and that's another thing to say is it doesn't matter what the cause is. I would, I would say, no, there's no causal relationship at all here, but also, who cares? It's not actually important. What's important is that you learn to understand, become
0: familiar with, and eventually abandon the fear and the need to get rid of thoughts. What to do if I fall asleep while meditating? Well, you're asleep. There's not much you can do. So,
1: um, I mean, two questions you might ask, how can I avoid falling asleep? And yeah, there are ways you can get up and do walking if you start to feel drowsy. And the second question is, what should I do after I wake up? And that's just, well, keep meditating. Start meditating
0: again. Falling asleep is well pretty natural, especially if you're doing other things throughout the day. But yeah,
1: there are ways to avoid it if you start to feel drowsy. Get up and do walking or even standing meditation for a while. You can open your eyes, splash some water on your face, turn on a light, do some chanting for a bit. But it's not terrible if you fall asleep. Just when you wake up, be mindful again.
0: When do I know it's time to drop the mental noting and simply be aware? When you're enlightened. There's
1: no time before that, I will say it explicitly, there's no time before that where I advise you to
0: drop the mental noting. Once you become enlightened, you don't have anything left to do. So, At that point, when you have no more greed, no more anger, you can drop it. we've come to the end of the hour and we've asked every question in our top tier okay good questions everyone
1: thank you all for your interest and sincere interest it's so nice always to under to 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 see people are interested and and uh, working on trying to work out right practice right practice right practice of meditation is so important so I hope you all are able to put into practice this very ancient, very incredible teaching of the Buddha, and find peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. Thank you, Chris, and uh, whoever was in chat helping out. We have Jim and
0: Rahid. Jim helping. and Rahid. Thanks for helping. Thank you all. Have a good week. It's not-